We are back! Episode 5 of the John Porter Podcast. We will be following up on last episode's Nutrition Basics with Part 2 coming your way. So we are live. It's um, Monday 11th of May. We are still locked in our houses, but we are allowed to exercise more than once a day. If you're doing it right, that's ridiculous. But we are here to listen to some more nutrition work. Uh, The basics part two. So last week, what we did, we did an overview of some of the nutrients that we consume we was looking at carbohydrates the proteins and the fats and the roles they play within our body so we looked at carbohydrates being the main fuel source for our energy depending on sort of what type of day you're having, what type of activities that are within that day, depending on the amount of carbs and types of carbohydrates we would consume in that day. Again, we were just trying to cover a basic overview of general health, so we never got specific with the amounts in regards to that. The roles of fats and its vital role for our immune system and the help in absorption of you know, the vitamins and minerals and proteins being those building blocks for our muscles and recovery. So this week, uh, following on from that, we're just gonna look at uh, different principles, a little brief overview on a couple of supplements. I've got some questions to answer that have been put to me through social media. And we're gonna discuss uh, a few of the little variables that sort of pop into mind as as we move along. So following on from that, what we didn't sort of discuss last time out was sort of hydration. Now water hydration is is quite a complex one in that nobody's ever sure and the general guideline is two litres a day. As I discussed briefly that, you know, I feel three or four for myself at, you know, 100 kilos body weight is is a more reasonable number so two two liters doesn't sort of touch the sides on that so when we're looking at the basics of trying to find how much water we should drink now just know the water is so important for the replenishment of our cells in our body you know to keep our blood platelets sort of regenerating prevent sort of cramping in you know in the right quant- um, quantities and dehydration and headaches and general sort of health will always benefit from adequate water hydration. So, so yeah, it's quite difficult to sort of figure out how much water you should be drinking each day. I've come across a little chart that sort of puts it into basics, whereas a 55 kilogram person would take in 1.7 litres. 60 kilograms again would take 185 liters 65 kilogram person would take on two liters and it goes up in sort of 
150 millilitres at a time. So for every 5 kilograms, you're adding 150 millilitres on that. So you get to 100 kilograms and it's 3.05 litres of water. You know, that's gone up in sort of from 55 kilograms at 1.7 litres. And that's every five kilograms, you're going to put an extra 150 mil of water in your body, depending on what you weigh. So that's a little chart I come across, and I think that's quite an easy way of figuring out your water consumption. So sort of, that should keep you going in regards to having a drink. From there, you're going to look at sort of now we know what we're drinking, what, you know, how much food, how many calories a day should you be eating? And to sort of start with that, we can discuss what's called the basal metabolic rate, which is essentially how many calories your body needs just to sort of function and breathe without any daily activities. You know, that base basal metabolic rate, it does... It varies from person to person, so this is why a one-fit formula for nutrition is quite, you know, hard to sort of follow. Whereas each person, depending on the height and weight, age and gender, sort of would calculate the basal metabolic rate at a different number. There are, you know, there's many ways of doing that. There is a mathematical equation you can follow, but there's many sort of online platforms where you can also find that information. I think a lot of digital scales, my fitness pal app, I think they work it out for you before they do the calculation on your activity levels. So I mean to get an if you wanted to do the mathematical equation, you know, if you're a man, you know, you take the number sixty-six, and this is where the maths comes in, and you plus your weight in pounds by six point two three. So you take that 6.23 times your weight in pounds and then you've added that to 66 and then you then add a second equation of 12.7 times your height in inches. What are different variables? Again, taking off 6.8 times your age in years. So, it, you know, a lot of people are using just online platforms to work out this maths because you know if you're a woman again it's very similar it's a bmr is a 655 plus 435 4.35 times your weight in pounds then you're adding 4.7 times your height in inches taking away 4.7 you know times your age in years that's the long-winded sort of way and I, I, again a lot of people are just going online and finding little calculators to sort of work your basal metabolic rate out. So if you come across the term BMR on your fitness journey, that is your basal metabolic rate and how many calories you're gonna consume. No, you're not gonna consume, so that's how many calories your body's gonna use, utilize to function. Once you understand that principle of your top figure, your basal metabolic rate, then there's a formula, again, more maths that you can sort of Go with the Harris Benedict formula if you sort of chose that. There's a couple of different formulas, but then you want to sort of take that basal metabolic rate, and then you want to take times it by 
activity level calculations, whereas you're choosing whether you're a sedentary person, lightly active person, moderately active, very active, and extra active. You know, you're going to pretty much box yourself into one of those categories. And I always find I'm never quite sure which box to choose on this because although, you know, I'll train most days, you know, if, if you're lightly active, it suggests you train sports three days a week and that's lightly active uh, and you've probably got an inactive job. And realistically, some of my training sessions, you know, they might be three or four a week. But outside of that, coaching people, uh, doing this podcast, I probably do very little activity in way of, you know, being physical. I'm, you know, I don't work in construction or anything like that. So finding the right calculation for you is the tough bit here. You know, you're going to take your base metabolic rate. If you're a sedentary person, you times that by 1.2. If you're lightly active, you're timesing that by 1.375. If you're moderately active, that's 1. You're timesing that by 1.55. Again, that one, moderately active, it says 3 to 5 days of sort of physical activity. Very active, you know, 7 days a week, and that's timesing by 1.725. And if you're super active, you know, you're training every day, you've got a physical job, you're in a construction trade, you're taking that base metabolic rate and you're timesing it by 1.9. Now, that'll give you what's called, I think, maintenance calories is a term used. But basically, the calories that you need to function without lacking in energy, without lacking in sort of motivation, without being any, you know, depleted in any way, shape or form. Now, if you're looking at a sort of a weight loss journey, a fat loss journey, shall we say, to be specific, because as we discussed, weight and fat loss are two different things. You know, if you're then going to sort of make a small deficit in that number, as obviously the calculation for weight loss is going to be the calories in versus the calories out, are you eating more calories than your body expends? That's the basic formula. You know, I did that at GCSEPE. That, that calculation's never changed. You know, if you eat 3,000 calories a day and your calories, so output is only 2,000, you're, you're creating a surplus of 1,000 calories a day. Three or four days in, there's no doubt you'll have probably gained one to two pounds of body weight. Maybe that's body fat, depending on the types of food you've been sort of consuming and the type of training you've been putting together. So it, it does get complicated, but that the basic is always that calories in versus calories out. A good way to keep those calories out moving if you're in a sedentary job is obviously hitting some step goals, you're doing your workouts. Now your workouts, they may only con contribute to sort of a very small portion of the calories you use in a day. If you hit on a good workout, say three to four hundred calories, depending on your body weight. You know, the rest of your day was made up of, you know, say two thousand five hundred calories. That doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the day you can just sit around. If you, you know, depending on your goal, if it's performance based, maybe you'll have a slightly different approach. But if you're on a fat loss journey, 
you still want to be sort of staying active where you can at other parts of the day. So that's a go. That that was going into a little bit of detail on. on obviously, we we looked at water uh, and the calories and the calculation of the calories in versus calorie out. And it is as simple as that, I think, for fat loss, unless you have sort of any underlying issues where you know you may need additional help from professionals. But calories in, calories out. You can do the calculation in your head if you can listen back to this podcast. You can just do that little maths equation or you can go online. There's plenty of, you know, I'm not giving out secret information here. It, it's all available online. But just know if you're looking at sort of calorie counting towards your nutrition goals that you're setting alongside your, your physical goals, that's a good place to start. So from there, a different approach you could look at either your nutrition if you don't want to be counting. But... Let's be, let's be honest, if you don't want to be counting, there'll be a reason why you don't want to count. Maybe it's a little bit too much hard work. And as we discussed in goal setting, if, you, if fat loss is your goal, do you really want that goal? Do you re, are you really invested in that goal? If, if counting your meal calories two, three times a day, is, is, if that's hard work and you haven't got time for that, I would suggest that the, the goal is, you know, you're not emotionally invested in it and that you're not really going to achieve that goal. So, you know, the amount of time people spend on the phones, if they're using an app like MyFitnessPal to calculate the calories per meal, the amount of time people spend on the, you know, I, I think there's a good balance there. You'll be sat on your phone all day, so what difference does it make if you just quickly scan in a barcode or type in a meal you've eaten to sort of keep you on track with those nutrition goals? I have an app on my phone that called called Moment actually, alongside my fitness pal. You know, just to, and that tells me how many minutes a day I spend on my phone. And, and sometimes I think that's quite you know a ridiculous number of t- you know. I like to keep track of that because I like to try and have a productive day. And if if I think you know, my minutes on my phone are put, you know stopping that productivity. I, I I'm aware of that by by this app called Moment that tells me, so. There's always time. I mean, track your time on your phone and then don't tell me you can't sort of track your food via your app because you haven't got time because, you know, if you get all the data together, you probably do have time or you're not interested in the goal moving forward. So your calorie counting is very effective. What gets measured gets, you know, gets achieved. It's specific, the more specific, remember when we talked about goals, we're talking about being specific. So counting your calories that you're consuming, counting the calories that you're expended, that's specific, that's very specific, and that's going to sort of help you really achieve those goals when it comes to nutrition. If you don't want to count calories, though, if maybe 12, 16 weeks in, you just absolutely burn out of the mental effort because it does sometimes, depending on where you're starting in your goal, depending on how much energy you've got, depending on where you've gone to in that goal, calorie counting can be a little bit mentally draining. But support around you from your family and your friends and your coaches and your trainers, you know, that's what they're there for. You tell them there are lots of other options for sort of nutrition protocols and principles. Portion controlling is another one. Whereas you sort of 
measuring what you're eating by eye. In general, you'd probably just consume your three basic meals. It's easier for people to sort of measure that way because the more meals you have, the harder it is probably to judge by eye what you're consuming in, in portions. Maybe you have a couple of snacks, but your snacks would be, you know, a very small palm full of fruit or nuts. That's easy to sort of measure. Whereas you're looking at um, portion controlling. So if you looked at adding your proteins to your plate, you make a fist. And that is more or less the size of the protein, the meat that you want to put on your plate. Again, whatever your protein sources are, if you're a vegan, you're going to combine your carbohydrates, which you should know about, to create those full amino acid profiles for your proteins. But again, that, um, that's a different principle that I'll try and cover a little bit later on. But you're going to take a fist and that is your portion control. That is your portion of meat. So if you're going to eat out, you know, maybe it'd be a steak, maybe it'd be a piece of chicken. If you're eating out, portion controlling might be where you mix in with calorie counting. You don't want to be avoiding social situations. Uh, that sort of negates the problem that sort of doesn't give you that that confidence in in wanting to achieve your goals if you're having to sort of miss out on things socially so we want to portion control by using use your fist that's a piece of meat open your palm the size of your palm not including your fingers that would be a carbohydrate portion portion so you would sort of by eye so that's a small potato that's a handful of rice grains going into the pan you know it's keeping those carbohydrates sensible ones you're making fresh meals say when you're eating out on the go that is very difficult and that's where calorie counting has its benefits where you can't sort of portion control a sandwich may look in proportion in some regards, but when you look at the uh, the things they add to sandwiches, the oils actually to preserve the fats and the sugars, that can uh, shoot a normal sandwich that you'd make at home up by 200 calories. So that's a thing to be aware of. But portion controlling, we've got a fist of meat, we've got a palm of carbohydrates. Again, we want to get those antioxidants in there for health. So we're going to grab a handful of veg Big green veg, spinach, lettuce, tomatoes, whatever you fancy. And a lot of people I've seen, they drizzle a slight amount of sort of oils on there to get the fats in. Or maybe you'd have, if you're measuring your portions for fats, maybe you're putting some nuts on a salad. You take sort of a finger. If you take your sort of index finger and that sort of surface area amount of fats you'd sort of add to a meal and that's a very basic guide that does sort of differ slightly maybe men depending on the side could double up on those portions but again that's it's by eye is always going to be a general feel but it can help you achieve results if you're keeping those carbs the proteins lean the carbs you know 
the, the low GI carbs that we discussed last episode. Hopefully you did a little bit of research on the types of carbs you may now want to introduce to your diet. That'd be good. And the healthy fats that you can sort of flavor. And again, the, for satiety, to, you know, to, to satiate yourself and keep yourself full, fats and sort of proteins are going to help that moving forward. If you're looking to modify your sort of nutrition because you have some gut health issues, before we look at any other principles, you know, that's all down to your sort of your general health. Uh, obviously, your, your gut, your, your intestines, that's where your, your, your nutrients are absorbed and sort of sent around the body for the other processes, you know. And, and if you have got poor health in that area, you might get a bit of bloating, flatulence, diarrhea, constipation, stuff like that. You know, you might have poor recovery times, your immune system's a little bit compromised, which obviously at this point in time is quite important that it's not, you know, coughs and colds and stuff. You might have eczema flare-ups and some food allergies, IBS, which are all caused through that inflammation from sort of the dietary things we take on board that aren't, you know, what we'd recognise as healthy eating in a balanced way. They're causing inflammation. So that's all your pastries and stuff like that, your refined foods, your bad foods. As we discussed about the antioxidant type, we're going to you know, try and improve that by including antioxidants. Your berries is what I go to. You know, your raspberries, your blueberries, your blackberries. They're high in antioxidants and they're going to help repair that sort of inflammation caused, which gives you those flare-ups and inflammation in the body. You could also sort of, yeah, again, remove processed foods. Uh, caffeine can cause that irritability sometimes. Glutens, wheats and dairies, a lot of people have intolerances to and allergies. And you can sort of strip your diet back. And the only way to, I mean, if you go to a dietitian, maybe they do uh, blood work where they sort of give you a definitive. But you can do that yourself if you have those little issues. Where you can just strip those things, glutens, wheats, dairies, processed food. You know, the takeaway is definitely gone. Caffeine, if you strip those out of your diet, you see how you feel, you can assess yourself week by week, increase your green veggies, you know, and slowly reintroduce those things, dairies, glutens and wheats. And, and, you know, hopefully moving forward, you've increased your green veggies and your antioxidants, as I discussed. Reducing stress on the body is another, you know, stress is an inflammatory for the body. So when we're talking about food for health, getting that fruit and veggie and taking out the processed foods. Again, those foods that will really cause you flare-ups. I'm sure you know what they are, you know, when you think about it. And you, you complain that maybe, you know, you got skin flare-ups, you got IBS. You know, the first thing you should look at is what you're consuming, what you're putting into your body. Strip it out, one by one, reintroduce those things. See if you can sort of have an element of sort of elimination. Then you know going forward what you can sort of take on board. So that sort of general health food um, approaches, what we're going to look at next is a little bit of an overview, not in detail of some other terms you might have come up with, sort of so things you've heard about around the gym or in conversations, sort of like ketogenic diets and intermittent fasting. So if you start at intermittent, I'll just give you a little overview. So what intermittent fasting is in general, in short, in basic, it's a pattern of eating you know, you're going to alternate between periods of fasting, which is, you know, only consuming sort of waters and low-calorie drinks uh, and sort of 
no foods and of non-fasting periods where you're in a fed state where you've sort of had your nutrients. Again, in basic, what you're doing is alternating between fasted states and fed states where you sort of you'll restrict consuming your calories through, as an example, you would maybe use an eight-hour window in the morning where you would wake, you'd do everything without eating in a sort of in a fasted way and then you would choose a 16 hour window but obviously you're not going to eat for 16 hours because again you're going to be sort of sleeping for some of that time as well but then you sort of you eat your calories that you're allowed for the day within a certain window allowing your body for you know an eight hour window to, to eat and consume all your calories and there's other sort of methods to that where you can have full days of restricting you know calories and you can have days where you can increase your calories and it's basically it's just manipulating there is more science to the the benefits of intermittent fasting in regards to fat oxidization sort of and reduction of your body weight but again i'm just giving you an overview it's basically intermittent fasting is limiting your window of consuming your calories so in general, you know, if, you, if you're asleep for eight, you fast for eight, and then you eat for eight, you're probably not going to eat as many calories as if you sort of ate for 16 hours of the day and, you know, you thought about nothing other than food. If you give yourself little restrictions and rules, it can help sort of benefit you in reducing. You know, there's other days you, you might sort of eat one day. I've read in to a few people that just eat one unrestricted calorie meal a day. And there's been sort of untold benefits into sort of hormone levels and sort of such things like that. That obviously, again, we're not going to go into details of because this is just an overview of that sort of principle. You would again go and do some research on many of these protocols before sort of trying them out or seeing somebody with a little bit more information than myself. Again, I have only had the qualifications and the know-how to give you the basics. And I think it's good that you sort of take on board some of these things that you may have heard of, some fads online, you maybe your friends doing a diet. Again, you've got another approach following on from intermittent fasting. People, you might have heard of people doing the ketogenic diet, which is two ways of sort of being in ketosis. Uh, so the ketogenic diet can be ridiculously low calories, talking six to 800 a day, which is, you know, really low. But in essence, the other way is uh, sort of restricting your carbohydrate intake to about 20, 30 grams a day, roughly. And with that, you sort of initially, because carbohydrates um, aid in the, the, the water absorption within your body, you hold water alongside carbs. That's why they're carbohydrates. They help your body hold that water. So ketogenic diets, people are restricted restricting themselves from eating carbohydrates uh, and with that sort of the body sort of flushes out some of the waters in the in, in the sort of immediate effect and uh, which can give you if you're a sort of fairly low body weight to start with that can give you a really nice sort of aesthetic look if you can strip that last little bit of water off your body but in general a lot of people do these keto diets from a, a higher starting weight and the initial maybe you lose a stone in a week quite easily uh, maybe that appeals to you, but the general consensus is that, that isn't fat loss. So 
it's all going to be water loss. Again, that's ketogenic diet and that's sort of hitting a, a very low carb. You're eating proteins and fats are your main sources of, of food consumed. So it's quite a high fat diet at times. So you're taking on all your nuts, your avocados, and I've you know I've seen people they're eating you know the high fat minces and bacons and stuff um, to make up the calories for the day. Again, probably very tasty. In regards to the protein consumption, though, they're not the best forms of protein. There's probably other ways of doing that. But as an overview, a ketogenic diet is restricting your carbohydrate intake. Carb backloading is something very similar where you'd restrict your sort of your carbs intake for 10 days, deplete all your body of uh, the muscles of the glycogens, and you strip back some water, and then you would limit your carbohydrates during the day up until you've hit your workout. And this is quite a good principle uh, if you like to have sort of large meals um, in an evening. You can hit your workouts when you come home from work and then go home and consume your carb meals as a way of sort of loading up your muscles and replenishing them afterwards. So that's carb backloading. And there are all sort of ways of manipulating that calories in versus calories out. But I think it's good that we sort of just hit on those a little bit just for the purpose of just these maybe things you come across in the gym. You may have heard people talking about them. I just want to give you really an overview. Again, I'm not the expert um, on applying and educating people in these sort of ways. But it's good to sort of have an overview of at least know what they are. Uh, again, you may go and do a little bit more research. There may be some principles there that appeal to you going forward. You know, so I'll give you this little overview. And, and the general overview that I really want to give is that it's the calories in versus calories out if you're looking to lose fat. And just be aware of what your basal metabolic rate is. Because that's always going to be what you need to function. And going forward, you use that as your base for, do you want to build muscle? Do you want to lose body fat? And you're optimizing sort of those calories in that you're consuming by measuring your, your proteins, your carbohydrates and your fats. And if you're using an app like MyFitnessPal, that will sort of hit, give you sort of goal, nutrition goals, nutrient goals to hit. So it'll give you a percentage of your meals of your protein, how many, how many grams a day of protein you should be eating, how many grams of carbs you'll be eating, how many grams of fats you'll be eating. You know, those apps do that for you. On a general overview, that you know, 40% of your calories should be proteins, 40% ideally carbohydrates, and 20% of that calories consumed would be fats. That's, that's just a general basic sort of pattern that I would sort of follow in the first instance before I start manipulating other little things depending on the again the client's need um, again another way of measuring that you might take on a gram of protein per pound of body weight that might give you a number and again you'll take that number then times it by four because there's four calories per gram of, of um, proteins again you then might make up whatever your base metabolic rate times your activity level, 50% of that, say, is going to be carbohydrates, so whatever those calories are, divided by four for your, your carbohydrate numbers and the rest of it you'd make up with fat. Again, quite on a verbal level, without sort of showing somebody, talking them through it, 
in person and giving them an action plan for nutrition it's quite difficult to give you those specific breakdowns i think for nutrients but it's good to have an awareness of what they are on top of that you may have been hearing about people talk talking and taking on board sort of protein supplements uh, again they are supplements so might be they are there as to supplement your eating they're not there for meal replacements they're there if you're struggling to get your, your targets that i just discussed there say you've got 150 grams of protein you're only getting four meals you know you're struggling to get the full numbers you may take on board an extra protein shake 30 40 grams to help you sort of reach supplement those nutrient goals that's all they're there for um now creatine is another supplement um i'm going to talk about because that's got untold benefits again that, that's well the benefits of that are far researched so we can say that it's, it's a supplement that will benefit you if you want to take that on board but more i'd say for a sports specific approach where you're going to help increase your muscles fuel and your replenishment of uh, recovery and it, it can be it's proven to help increase sort of lean muscle mass on top of that you may have heard people taking on board amino acids now in my opinion and i worked in a, a production factory for supplements for a few years many many years ago and um in the mixing room where we put all the whey protein powders together in general what they took was that same mix and they just put it in tablet form so for me uh, amino acid tablets that they were sort of producing were exactly the same as the whey protein powder but in a tablet form so i know there's many bca drinks the branch chain amino acid drinks so you'll have heard of that term maybe but for me taking them on board additionally uh, i've never done that since i saw the fact that that same mix was used to tablet up for amino acids uh, a shake would always be sufficient on a natural form if you want amino acids you can get egg whites and that sort of covers your bases from a basic food level so i never sort of you, you can include them if you want if you know what you're doing and you want to sort of add the drinks in intra workout i know some people take them on there to sort of help spare the muscle for fuel uh, if you're in a depleted state you know that's probably beneficial but in general amino acids i don't get people to take you know whey protein i would say if you got you need to get your goals whey protein if you need to drive your sort of your performance a bit of creatine again if you can't be bothered the other supplement i'll mention caffeine although we said if it irritates the gut we don't want to sort of we want to eliminate that but caffeine in general you know there's energy drinks everybody loves a good boost for a workout you know you're going to work harder maybe you'll burn a few more extra calories maybe you'll hit that intensity level that will really get you that burn and get you that sort of post-workout um ache that you all sort of go to the gym and desire so you know caffeine whey protein and creatine is the only ones i'd sort of i would bother with personally and that's only my opinion there's many people out there that would argue that maybe they know more than me that's cool but from a personal point of view my opinion is you know they're the supplements i would use if if necessary you know i and I'm really happy with how today's gone. I think I've covered in detail some different sort of, or at least introduced you to some principles that will that will go build on from that first episode. 
and going forward as we get guests on that we talk about nutrition we will be talking about some of these principles in more detail so it's good if you get consume this first and second episode on the basics of nutrition at least you can hang in the conversations when we go deeper involved into the nutrition you know at least you'll have an overview of what things are what principles we're talking about how they work and an overview from the whole sort of episodes one and two i think the basics here are you know you're taking on your proteins your carbs and your fats you know what they are and you know what you're doing with them that your proteins repair your muscles your carbohydrates give you fuel the fats replenish your sort of your immune system and help you absorb those nutrients and protect your organs and um, we've sort of briefly touched on the amounts of calories you should consume in a day you're now going to probably go and do some research if that you know nothing if, if you was you know if you're going to change your life um like in a way that makes a dramatic difference if you went to university to or college to learn a subject you would sit and you'd learn everything about that subject and it would be daunting at first you wouldn't know anything you're on a learning curve so when you're learning your nutrition maybe that's the same you want to change your life it's daunting you don't know you don't get what the the principles are so hopefully this will give you some basic principles but it's only a starting block the starting block you know you accumulate knowledge over years and years you won't get it from the off i'm pretty sure of that but a good starting point i'm hoping this is for you um and i think like like with college if you're gonna or, or go and get in a new job you don't know the job at first and eventually two or three years down the line it's second nature you know you get your qualification and what have you gone to college for you now have that base knowledge to then go and move further into understanding details at a higher level so you know get the basics of the nutrition don't go any further than that maybe just stick to sort of what getting your good foods in first you know but whatever you do again we're going back to that tip of just pick one principle pick one principle that you want to follow calorie counting is the most specific for your goal i would say you know whatever that goal is just get used to calorie counting it doesn't have to be forever maybe eventually you can judge it by eye ah, you, you eat the same meals constantly so you know roughly what you're getting you know there's other factors that can come into your weight loss that might store your weight down the line like sort of metabolic adaptation but they're things i'd hope we can cover in with sort of experts further down the line as we get some guests in so yeah so my goal for these obviously two podcasts were to give you a base understanding a base level of different principles uh what they sort of what nutrition is and to answer some questions sort of um i got a couple of questions so how do i feel full so again i think we discussed eating proteins and healthy fats and decent decent you know don't starve yourself make sure you're eating within your limits if you're cutting calories don't cut too many you know so if you're feeling hungry too often maybe you need to eat a little bit more or maybe you need to improve the quality of the proteins you consume again good health good gut health answers another question i was asked about mental health and general overview of health so so yeah good good food good nutrition will help you feel good and hopefully these two podcasts have been highly helpful to you so this has been nutrition basics part two this is the john porter podcast 
Episode 2, Nutrition Basics. Episode 5, Part 2. Next week, we discuss cardiovascular training. Cardio, what is it? Do I need it? See you then.